Welcome everyone to the Russell Show. I'm your host Russell Chowdhury. I can't wait to jump into this podcast episode. Episode number 125, we have a special guest, Amy Dong. So in this episode, we'll discuss with Amy her newest book called The 21 Years Old. So don't forget to subscribe, leave a review on our podcast and let's dive in. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for joining in this podcast episode. Really appreciate it. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Um, and it's it's a pleasure to, to be on podcast with you. Yeah, the pleasure is mine. For uh, Yeah, thank you for joining me. And I know like you had some ups and downs today, but finally made it through and that's great. And super excited to learn more about your book and learn more about yourself as well. The hardship you had to go through and also like a you chose the lives that you are you've been an author and as well as like doing other things like businesses and stuff so yeah before we jump into like uh, about learning more about your book i'd love to know more about who amy is and how did you end up writing the book yeah i'll definitely love to give a short introduction so i'm currently 23 years old author life coach in training and um as a full-time job i i work in social impact consulting so a lot of different things going on there but yeah um i've i've come to be the person who i am through a lot of uncertainty craziness uh, my parents were immigrants from china and um always you know taught me to to work as hard as i could and even even then you know crazy things happen in life starting in university and yeah now I've you know I I'm only 23 but I have actually had two near-death experiences in my life so there are a lot of deeper questions about you know what is what's my purpose why do I have a third chance at life yeah. why am I here uh, and those are the kinds of things that are I'm really passionate about now huge reason why I wrote my book um when when the pandemic was was just starting out in in yeah. 2020 and then now huge reason why you know, I, I really want to be a full-time life coach um, after after I finish my certification. Yeah, that's that's great. Like, uh, obviously, a lot of people are going to think about, like, you're 23 years old. Like, how would you know about life and things? And obviously, the people also say that, but it's not about, like, how old you are it's about like the experiences you had right so we go through like a certain experiences like a lot of people doesn't see their parents died till they're 60 they're 70 probably their parents been like 80 90 years old and by the time they died their kids like a 60 70 years old so if you ask them like how is it like losing a loved ones they wouldn't understand it and if someone like right. yourself losing someone in early age then obviously you understand it same with me like i lost both of my parents age of 13 and obviously I understand it, like how it's being through, like how to grieve, how to like move forward, even though you lose someone. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who did you lose? I know it's a like hard story to tell, but it will be great if you share it with the audience so they will know, understand. And who did you lose and how did you overcome the grief? Yeah, I and something that you said really resonated with me. It's, you know, it's not necessarily about how old you are. I mean, age yeah. definitely helps you collect experiences, but my one of my favorite books by Atul Gawande, Being Mortal. I feel like a lot of people have read it if they're thinking <laughs> yeah. about what what happens and what 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 life is about. But he says, you know, life is it's not it's not about how old you are, but it's about what your perspective is. So if you mm. are someone who has recently faced a near death experience, then obviously you are thinking a lot more about mortality. You know, what does it mean if tomorrow is my last day? As opposed to someone who might be 
um, 40 years old, maybe twice as old as you are, but um, has had a little bit more of a smoother life, which is fantastic. It's just in a yeah. slightly different different way. So for myself, um, I guess two stories. One is I almost lost myself and it was uh, it was based, basically I, I was struggling with anorexia, which is one of the most common eating disorders. It was something mm-hmm. that I struggled with starting in high school. And I, I basically starved myself to the point where my heart rate was on average, you know, in the, in the low forties, high thirties, which is wow. um, at the level where you're supposed to be having a heart attack at any moment. Yeah. And I was pulled out of university for a semester when my, my sister tricked me into seeing a, a specialist and I, you know, she's like, oh, I mean, you know, we just want to make sure things are going okay. And I said, sure. And then at the end of that month, I had seen three different doctors. They had told me I was, they told me I was lucky to be alive. And they said, you're, there's no way you're going back to school. So that was a semester. I stay at home. Life moved on around me. Uh, my classmates moved on without me. And I just read so many books, including Being Mortal. Um, I started writing a lot more. And it was a horribly, um, it was a difficult period. For, it was one of the most difficult moments of my life, for sure. Because it, it was a period where I basically had to tell myself that so yeah. many of the actions I was taking, so many of my rich food rituals, were all about staying in control of my life. And this was a moment where I wasn't really in control and I was sabotaging my, my own health. That was a really big wake up call for me. And then last year, my, my second near death experience was um, just barely missing the train that ended up derailing on its way from Taipei to Hualien in, in Taiwan. And I was supposed to meet up with my dear roommate. Both of us were teaching English there at the time. She took the train um, that unfortunately derailed. And the last text I got from her was a photo of her and another another Fulbright friend uh, saying that we'll we'll see you soon and let's grab dinner. And I, because I had a history already of dealing with or thinking about mortality, um, it was definitely something that shook me in the sense that I lost someone that I cared deeply about. I lived with every day. I I would I would go. I went home and I just walked around her room waiting for her to come back. At the same time, there was there was a part of me that said, if the first time didn't tell me something, then the second time, the fact that I should have been on that train. And just happened to take a personal day off work on a Thursday to take the train the day before. Um, It was was like a proof to me that I was, one, incredibly lucky. And two, that all the time that I had left on Earth was essentially bonus time. Like, I'm... Mm -hmm. I'm here and maybe I shouldn't be here. And that has been very freeing um, in terms of taking risks, pursuing things that bring me a lot of meaning, um, pursuing this life coaching certification, even though as you're, you're totally right, a lot of people will likely look at me and say, how could she possibly be a coach for someone else's life when she's, she herself is so young. Um, And that's, that's, I think that's totally reasonable to, to say. And at the same time, I just feel so grounded in this. And I, I deep down, I know this is exactly what I want to do and what I can do. Um, 
that that sort of out external expectation um, no longer matters to me as much as it it definitely mm. once used to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so sorry for your loss, and yeah, totally, I get it because I I nearly lost my child as well last year because he diagnosed mm. a brain damage, and doctor being told us he's not gonna make it next twenty four hours, and that literally was day before my birthday, so we've been told like uh, he's gonna be dead on my birthday, we have to bury him, right? And that was one of the devastating moments. Uh, and that kind of things, like when you tell someone like you're not experienced enough, like I experienced at that time, I was only 27 years old. And I, I, I was 26, I was just about to be turned 27, right? And when I lost my parents, like I said, I was 13. And yeah, at the beginning, I didn't know how to cope myself at the first six months, seven months, but then I learned how to move on and everything. So obviously I can coach on some people, but obviously I do a different way with my podcasting. I bring different, different guests like yourself, like and then we discuss it together. That can bring us like more value rather than like a one-on-one. I know it's needed to one-on-one, but it's hard to give like so many one-on-ones. And eventually, like like yourself as being a life coach and dealing with the loss and dealing with the grief, and it is important your grief, right? Otherwise, it's gonna hit you in the long run, and it's gonna keep keep on coming back. You need to accept it. Whatever happened, no one can control it, and we have to keep moving forward. So yeah, it's a great thing. Like you chose a career. Like everything happens for a reason. If I didn't lose my parents, then I wouldn't be doing the podcast today because this is why I started. Um, my anxiety, my depression, everything, and I need to share with mm-hmm. the people. So yeah, let's talk about your book, which is like a 21 years and young. So how did you come up with the title and what's the book about? Yeah, well, thank you. I just want to acknowledge, thank you for sharing something so personal. And um, it's so interesting that that event happened at, you know, the twice the age of 13, right? Like at 13, something happened and at 26, something else um yeah, I realized that 26 and 13 yeah yeah that's something that's the first person it just saying <laughs> yeah. yeah no it's just it's so fascinating and it, it I promise I'll get to the book but the thing you said about everything happens for a reason it's one of those cliches that you see in like the art store with like the fancy font and you know with flowers and it doesn't really seem it, it's it's almost like laughable it's like oh, of course like everyone says this but it does it's only a cliche because it's so true mm. and for the for people who have gone through things that are kind of unexplainable in ways it's just a it's such a grounding thing to believe and to put faith in and sometimes faith is more powerful than than proof and and yeah. that uh th- those kinds of that statement really stuck with me so as for my book i have you know, ever since I was a teenager, I think my my English teachers and my, I really owe my English teachers a lot, but they really encouraged me to, you know, explore writing further. They said, you know, Amy, we think you have a lot of natural talent here, uh, which was very surprising for me to hear as the daughter of Chinese immigrants. I never expected English to be something that was maybe my strongest suit, mm. but I started submitting essays to um, the Scholastic Art and Writing competitions. I was... I began getting national recognition for some memoir pieces, some critical essays that I was writing about American culture. And those were, I mean, accolades were nice. And it was also validation that my voice could matter and that writing was a way for me to, one, provide therapy for myself. I always write most when I am um, 
potentially, you know, most emotionally charged and to share it with others. So in 2020, I decided, you know, this is the year that I'm going to put together all the things that I have been jotting down in. I, I journaled every day for some multiple years, just going back through all my journals, all my iPhone notes, where I just have this story idea in my mind um, after after waking up. Yeah. Um, and and put put a whole year of my life just working on this project that I had. I feel like I had been unknowingly working towards for several years mm-hmm. of my life. Um, I. I always tell people who want to write, I'm like, to be a good writer, you have to be a really avid reader. And especially after um, spending six months at home, just reading um, and and devouring all these books. Like, I love essayists. I love the fact that there are people out there who write memoir style writing, but in a very critical lens that is at once really personal and very universal. Um, Because human experiences, they're all unique and also relatable in some some yeah. way. It's a really interesting uh, paradox there. So I set out in writing a, a series of a collection of essays. And the reason the book is called 21 Years Young is because the I, I mentioned that I have no theme that ties together all my essays. But if I had to choose something that wove across all of them is just the fact that the 20s, the, the period of young adulthood is just so uncertain and so sporadic mm. and that's the beauty of it like there's beauty and uncertainty there's beauty in moments of um deep pain deep love first love um travel experiences you know having these in- new and more adult-like conversations with those around you that often are laughed at by uh, people who are slightly older. They're like, you know, people who are younger don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And the whole argument in my book is like 20 years young is not nothing. It's everything we know if you are 20 years old. Um, and so it caters to a young adult audience, but it also, for for the adult readers who have gone back to me, they're like, yeah, this actually resonates with, with all the struggles that I'm dealing with now. And it's really interesting to see that come through yeah. um, someone as young as yourself. So. For example, a few of my essays deal with mortality. What does it mean to live a, live a meaningful life? What does it mean mm. to um, witness death so close to oneself um, and and move on? And maybe not move on, but move move with someone, move with those yeah. experiences. Other essays are about my Chinese-American upbringing, um, all the different tensions that I have in my family, whether they're political or social or educational and just laying that out there, um, and that resonated a lot with a lot of other Chinese American readers that I had. And travel. One thing that I haven't mentioned yet is that I spent multiple, probably a collective year and a half of university, not in not in New York. Uh, I, I went to NYU, but I studied abroad in Prague, in Singapore, in the United Arab Emirates, in Ghana. And I traveled to 25 different countries and lived in several of them and over a span of two years. And that ex- those experiences were eye-opening in the sense that they made me feel very small and very freed because in the sense I'm like, oh, there's so many things happening around me. Why am I putting so much stress on, on myself? You know, I'm really tiny. And that's beautiful. Yeah. I, it, it, it's almost like a way to let go of one's ego and yeah. get a sense of grounded self-confidence and 
um, in the weird way. I'm like, I feel I'm I feel like I'm an incredibly confident person, but it comes from the fact like I'm so small. So it's it's another one of those paradoxes. I clear, I I really enjoy paradoxes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'll stop there. I like the fact that, like you mentioned about mortality and like you moving with like a loss of someone close by. So with your experiences, how did you deal with the moving with them kind of mentality, right? Like obviously I had several podcasts I talked about it and my audience learned about it. I want to know more from you, like how someone uh, lose someone and then can move with it and obviously we have to deal with it otherwise you can't really do day-to-day activity right if you keep on thinking about what happened in the past absolutely um so again splitting this into two pieces almost losing myself almost losing someone else close to me so i i i wouldn't say i'm completely recovered from my eating disorder i call the inner critic, the inner voice in my head, the 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 little person um, yeah. in Chinese, like the Xiaorin in my in my head, and my my right. family always jokes about that. And it's actually really powerful to give those kind of inner gremlins a name mm. because you dissociate them from what you would like to be, what you want your conscience to be, um, and who you are. And that's how I move with. I I acknowledge the existence of that person, little person in my brain talking to me. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I under, like, I, you know, I appreciate you little person for, for, <laughs> for sharing that with me. And like, I understand why you're stressed and anxious and you don't want to do these things, but yeah, it's, it's like a really interesting way to, um, to have, to acknowledge the existence of, of that without giving them power over you. So that's what I would say for myself when losing another person close to you, man, I would say the first thing to do is to do nothing. I I feel like there's just, there's, everyone always says there's like a different way of grieving um, yeah. for everyone. But for me, that looked like taking a week off of teaching, um, mm-hmm. just spending time in Laura's room, talking to her ghost, her spirit, whatever was theirs. Um, I love smells. I literally just smelled her clothes and that were still in her closet and I just cried. And over time, I began thinking, you know, what would, what would Laura, what my friend have, have wanted? Um, how would she have, how would she have wanted to see me? And especially if you lose a loved one, it's really powerful to think, you know, if, if they were here right now, like they were this little angel on my shoulder, they'd probably want to see uh, you doing something that makes you happy or or that you know carries on their their legacy. And those are two things that always give me energy when I am feeling down. And I just say, you know what? I I have faith that Laura is here with me um, in the room, and whether or not she is or not, like whether or not um, that's real or not, the the belief, um, the yeah. faith in something like that is really, really powerful. And one of the most important things is to, I think one thing that happens is once you lose someone, there's a lot more worry and stress that you will lose other people. Um, Time is short and, and, you know, starting to make all these short-term plans. And something that's important is to acknowledge that that's totally understandable because it's, it's an experience you faced in the past, but also not to let that dictate you because if, um, if we all thought we actually were, there's a saying, right? Like live each day, like it's your last. I always say, you know, that's 
probably not a really healthy way of living because <laughs> um, it's it's a it's really extreme and yeah. it could be it's like it could be very detrimental in the long term. So instead, it's more like a, just appreciating the time you had with someone, um, understanding that things in life are really uncertain, and then moving forward with just the I just the understanding that you know we're all lucky to be here and yeah. being and existing is is enough. Yeah, I like the fact you mentioned, uh, which is like, live it, today is your last day, right? Um, in a way, it's a right, and in a way, it's not right. Like, like you mentioned, like yeah. life is too long. When you lose someone, you feel like your life is end. Like I thought, like when I was losing my parents, I thought this is the end. Like, and um, there is no hope. There is nothing but uh, look at me. It's been like fifteen years now since I lost them, and life is keep moving forward. And I, I'm still alive, <laughs> so surely it's not end of the day. So you have to have like a big plans for future and everything. But life is not guaranteed either. But when you feel like it, uh, life is short, one day at a time, and like today could be our last day, you can implement that thoughts on like doing something, like achieving something. Right? Sometimes it's like, oh, I'm being too lazy. I'm not gonna work on my project. I'm not gonna work on my dream. I got plenty of time to leave. But when you feel like you know. To, today could be my last day so you're gonna give you a best shot right so today could be my yeah, last day i don't want to regret it if i die tonight then i gave my best shot on the day i uh, while i can control i just worked on it so in the same time i'm looking forward to for like five years 10 years 20 years ahead in the same time yeah that's a beautiful way of putting it it's it's useful when it's like a source of motivation to yeah. to not put things off um and it's also you know, there are, there are caveats, like it's, it's not always healthy to use it all the time, mm. um, but totally, totally agree with that sentiment. It's, you know, if, if you always think that there's another day and you continue procrastinating, like maybe yeah. you know, there, there are so many people who there the stories of people who pass away and they're like, oh, if only I had done this, if only I had spent more time, if, if only I hadn't been afraid to, to take this risk. Um, and that's something, those are, those are the kinds of things that I would, I hope I never feel. I hope the people um, I love never feel. And I would say just a general life rule is to not live with regret, to just mm. think that there, there's no such thing as regret because you either do something in the moment intentionally and then in hindsight say, you know, I, I, I either made a mistake or I learned from something I didn't really enjoy. Yeah. Um, but as we said earlier, everything happens for a reason. So even these regrets or things that didn't happen, um, they have they didn't happen also for a reason. Yeah, and another thing, like I want to add on to as well, like uh, life doesn't give you guarantee. Probably you know may not die in tomorrow or a few years time, but so many things could happen and dictate you not doing the things when you had a good health when you had everything's right and that time you just being procrastinating not doing the things and I, I can tell you that like obviously I didn't procrastinate but I can tell you like last three four months I couldn't record any podcast couldn't do any calls or anything like that because I was diagnosed with IBD that affected on my ear infection and my eyesight so I couldn't record mm -hmm. any podcast because I couldn't listen to anyone every time any frequency comes in then I feel like I'm being mental so phone out of out of zone from February 2022 to June uh, 2022 I couldn't do anything at all so right wow. now I'm doing the podcast I feel like I get to do that rather than I have to do the podcast call or like a business whatever I appreciate even though that day is bad or good 
I'm like, I get to do this. I get to be talking to someone. I get to do the business. I get to talk to the prospect, whatever the case is. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes you feel like uh, you have plenty of time ahead and they realize you've got bad health or like something happened and you couldn't actually do anything. Last year, like I mentioned, I was about to lose our son and then I was off for mm-hmm. six, six months because he needed a lot of attention and care. So that time I couldn't do anything, like no podcasting, no business, nothing at all. So you have to appreciate what you can do when you have a good health, when your family is in good health and everyone, and then keep moving forward with it. Yeah. And the word that's standing out is, it's such an overused word. It's it's like the concept of gratitude, just Mm -hmm. being, instead of, it's more like awareness, awareness of the things that you still do have, the things that you still get to do. It's, It's that like mental shift of, I should, I I need to, I have to, to, I can, I will, um, I get to. And in in the coaching program, we call those like fear-based values versus conscious-based values, right? So if you're driven by fear, a lot of the times it's just, it's just this feeling of constant stress and pressure and sort of ickiness um, as opposed to, you know, like I'm consciously choosing to do this because I want to, or because I know it's going to get me something in the future that really matters to me. Mm. And that's the way you phrase that is, is it's, it's really nice. It's also very humbling and that kind of energy rubs off on other people. Like when you say those kinds of things that immediately made me feel like, oh yeah, like I get to work on my coaching website. Like I get to, I get yeah. to pursue this. Like, Think well, about just, like so many people yeah. don't have the opportunity to do that. Like they got caught up with like two jobs or like probably they doesn't have the kind of brain to coach someone. Not everyone got gifted, like teaching someone or coach someone. It's not easy things to do. Not many people got gifted to like uh, talk to on a podcast. Not many people get to have like internet connection. So many things like you probably seen in China and I seen in Bangladesh. I'm originally from uh, there. Like a lot of people didn't get fresh water to drink or eat in a nice food. So forget about those doing a podcasting or doing like any kind of coaching. They just didn't have to have like a normal life, like how we dream of, right? And so, yeah, yeah it's so many ways to look at it. So, Amy, uh, we're coming to the end of this podcast. It was a great talking to you. So those who are listening, if anyone wants to get a book of your, copy of your book or learn about your coaching program or learn about yourself as well, where's the best place to find you, all this? Yeah, thanks so much, Rasel, for, for leading this. And um, it's, it's been wonderful chatting. I feel, feel great inside. And if anyone wants to learn more, everything is on my website at amy-dong.com from booking a coaching session, uh, getting a link to the book, or just learning a little bit more about what I do, who I am. And yeah, thanks so much, Russell. Yeah, I really appreciate your time. And thank you so much for coming to the show. Yeah, I wish you best of luck with your book launch as well as your new career and life coaching. You have thank you so time. much. You too. Okay. That's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast episode. I hope you got value from it. So those who's listening, if anyone wants to learn more about Amy, go check out our website. And yeah, I'll talk to you in the next episode. Take care, everyone.